0: and welcome to the latest edition of the Mimiverse Monthly Audiocast. I am your host, writer-director Christopher R. Mim, and I have to ask, are you there? Are you listening? I sure hope so, because I spend a lot of time and effort making this podcast month after month, and for as much as I love the sound of my own voice, and I'm sure you can tell, I do like knowing that someone out there is listening. And hopefully paying attention. Now this month is going to be admittedly a little bit shorter. It's been a crazy, crazy month here in the Mimiverse. When I say the Mimiverse, I just mean in the Mim household. It's been a month and I am behind schedule on what feels like everything. First and foremost, still trying to finish up Annihilate All Humans. We're very, very, very close. There's really only one more day of shooting left, but Because we live in the age we do, because of some illnesses amongst the crew and cast, things have been put off. But we are very, very close to being done with principal photography, which is a big freaking deal. We really only have one more day with the main cast. Things happen. It's no big deal. I was able to get a lot of stuff shot this month thankfully. And now I'm putting it together. I have more than enough stuff to do. I just would love to release the actors. I would love to be able to sign them off on it and be like, okay, we're done. Thank you for your service. We'll see you next year at the premiere. Because I I hate that they have these things sort of hanging over their heads. I hate that we're this close, but I don't blame anyone. I hope people listening, if you're in the cast and crew and you're like, this is my fault. No, it's not. It's the way it goes. Because a couple people have been sick, including... And this is part of the reason why, unfortunately, there will be no Atomic Tales this month. My wife has fallen ill. But there's kind of a weird happy reason behind why she's feeling sick, which sounds weird. But here's the thing. When I started making The Monster of Phantom Lake way back when, it was partially a response to my stepdaughter having been diagnosed with cancer back in 2005. Well, she was diagnosed in 2004, but in 2005 is when I finally started making the movie. And at the time, she was 13 years old and she had cancer. And we were dealing with all of the craziness of that while making the movie. And the movie brought us all together. So that's a big part of the story. And if you listen to the episodes of An Oral History of the Mimiverse every month, you already know this story. That was then and now. This is why I'm saying it's kind of a weird happy thing. It's not happy that she's sick. No one likes being sick, and she's getting better. Part of the reason she's sick, my wife Stephanie, is that she's very run down. And you're like, when does the good part come? This sounds terrible. She's run down because my stepdaughter Liz, who, as you know, is a cancer survivor and is now 17 years out from it, had a baby this month. So, Steph and I are grandparents now, which is blowing my freaking mind now steph was very excited liz is living with us and steph was helping with liz and her transition from pregnant lady to mom and steph is very kid focused and she's always been very kind of a super mom admittedly she's a super mom and so she has been right there for liz at all hours of the day all the while also working in a school as a special ed teacher So for a couple weeks since the baby was born, Steph has basically slept not at all. And so she was getting run down for a happy reason. She wanted to be there. She wanted to be super grandma. Liz needs the help. She's helping. But the older you get when you don't sleep and when you run yourself ragged, the more your immune system gets its ass kicked. And so being someone who didn't sleep enough... And working in a school, which is a petri dish, especially now with all these things going around out there, COVID and the flu and RSV and mystery illnesses and colds and you name it. She picked up an opportunistic infection. She's getting over it. She's had it for a few days now, four or five days, and she's getting better. Her fever has come down and she's just feeling much more normal. But that's just another crazy thing happening here in our house. So she's been sick. There's a new baby around, so everyone here is sort of out of whack. We all love her. My granddaughter, Isabel, she's adorable as hell. She's the cutest baby ever. Don't tell my kids I said that. But as a new grandpa, I mean, that's my right. I got to dote over her because she's adorable. It's just been nuts. So certain things have fallen by the wayside, and that's okay. I've remained busy. I'm still working on the movie. I'm still editing as it goes. I'm still filming when we can, but I have mentioned this many times. With Annihilate All Humans, things were designed in such a way that we could film it over a long period of time because it's a little compartmentalized. I'm just down to one more day, which hopefully we'll be doing next week or in the month of December, and special effects, which we're filming as we need them. And so things are coming together. Things are working out. The movie's coming together. It's super cool and super cheesy. There is something about this one that feels, it's hard to explain. Like, it feels a little like my ambition on this project is outpacing my ability to do what I'm hoping to do. Which sounds like I'm making excuses why the movie might suck. But that's not it. When you make B movies, sometimes trying really hard and failing spectacularly, which I've said a lot, makes for the best B-movies. And I'm not saying we're failing. Actually, everything we're getting is really good. But when it comes to some of the special effects, <laughs> they're, let's just say they're very era appropriate. If you've ever seen Plan 9 from Outer Space, you're going to like this movie. It's good. I got over a half hour edited, and I'm finally getting into some of the deeper special effects stuff. And I really love it. I mean, there are things that make me laugh. It's just, I'm trying to make Independence Day on less than $10,000 budget and it's going as well as you'd hoped. And there's something beautiful about it that I'm really enjoying and I know you're going to like. I'm going to be just working hard on it for the next six to eight months before we finally get it out. I'm thinking maybe I want to release it in August Partially because we did really well releasing at the end of July, but I've never released a movie in August. So, if you're one of those people who ordered the 2023 Mimiverse wall calendar, one of the things I do in the wall calendar is I always put the dates of when I release movies or projects. And there's nothing in August. And it's not just that there are no Mimiverse projects. There are no holidays in August. It's just bare So you get to August and there's nothing. So part of me wants to do the first week in August simply because then there would be something on the calendar. It's an arbitrarily stupid reason to release a movie in August. But again, we released the last one on July 27th, the last week in July. So what's the difference? I suppose the difference is a week. But it's still summer. It's still before kids start school, even in the states where they start school in August. And there's really usually not much going on at that time. And it's hot. So what better to do than go to a movie in a nice air-conditioned theater? So that's what I'm aiming for. And I think I can do it. But I'm really, really liking the, I don't know. There's something really cheeseball about this movie that is everything I wanted when I originally came up with the idea. I think I mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. This movie idea dates back to 2015. I had this idea for this film about aliens attacking the world and Dr. Edwards and Dr. Gabriel and General Castle fighting the aliens. I spent a night writing about eight pages, two scenes, and I absolutely adored them, but... At the time, it was just sort of a writing exercise to try and get the blood flowing, you know, to try and get the creative juices going. Because at the time, when I wrote that, I, I didn't know what I wanted to make next. And I wrote that because I got that idea, but I didn't know where to go with it. So it was like I had these seven pages and nothing else. And then I came up with the idea for Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter, and I made that instead. And then this sat in my folder of partial scripts And it just sat there. Earlier this year, when I had finished The Family Kids and The Day the Earth Abruptly Almost Ended, I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. I talked about doing the anthology movie and I started writing them, and I realized the anthology movie is much harder for me to do. I don't really know how to work in shorts. And I wrote a couple of them, but I was still struggling with writing enough to make it a feature. I was trying to find something, and I was having issues some serious writer's block which i honestly never really experienced and it was driving me a little crazy i've told this story before but i started going back through old unfinished scripts in the hopes that i would figure something out and something would spark something and i came across this and i'm like this is such a good idea but i don't know what to do with it i had a conversation with my son Elliot and my daughter alice and we started throwing ideas back and forth at each other and suddenly it all came together and it was like that's it And the creative wall in my brain crumbled. I zipped through the script in about a week. And it just came together. And It was perfect. And I was like, that's my next movie. And we started shooting at the end of May. And here we are in December. And we're almost done. But again, I did this to make it somewhat COVID-proof. Because I needed to be able to take breaks if we needed them. And we've had to. COVID has ripped through our house near exposures have hit some of the other actors and crew people. It is what it is. And we're close and it'll get done. It will get done. Here's the thing. I'm always thinking in contingencies, So even if something made it so we couldn't finish the movie as I wrote it, what's left, I could rewrite and make it work. But I don't plan on doing that. It's going to come together. Granted, we're supposed to shoot next week and Stephanie, my wife, who's in those two scenes, may not be back and ready to do it But that's neither here nor there. We will figure it out, and we will get it done. And in the meantime, I have plenty to work on. So yes, in a weird roundabout way, Steph is sick because of something good, which is weird to say, and really the logic is escaping me now, and I'm not sure why I said it. I think I'm just trying to sell it. But yeah, I have a granddaughter now, so that's cool. And I'm working on Annihilate All Humans. And I gotta say, you can contribute to it still. And now that it's the holiday season, don't forget if you contribute between now and roughly December 20th, I will send you a hand-signed letter saying that you contributed. So if you want to give a credit as a gift this is a perfect opportunity to do so because I will send you a letter and that you could then put in a box or put a bow on it and give it to whomever you want to give the credit to. Just know that's an option. People have done it and you can do it and it's 20 bucks for a simple contribution or you could do 30 and get them a DVD or 40 and get them a Blu-ray. You know, a lot of folks don't even have Blu rays or DVD players anymore, but if you do have a Blu ray player, just know that my movies look really good on Blu ray. I have made a point to make sure that every Blu ray of every project I release is the absolutely highest quality. You will ever get from that film, including the standard definition ones, including the first six, which were not shot in HD, but they have been upscaled. They have been, you know, the bit depth has been increased to the point where they are quite literally the best any of those films will ever look. So if you get a chance, pick up the Blu rays. They're good. But I digress. Please contribute to Annihilate All Humans. I think about how funny that sounds when I say that. Make sure you contribute to annihilating all humans. If you contribute now, 20 bucks, you can help annihilate all humans. That's what it sounds like. Like I'm saying, hey, it's only $20 and we're going to kill everybody. That's not it. It's going to be a good one. I really do think so. It's getting back to form, but also <laughs> it's me being overly ambitious. And I, <laughs> I just, the way it's coming together is so cheeseball and I, I don't know. It's awesome. I really can't wait to finish it. I'm not quite halfway done, but I'm getting there. Again, we just have two more scenes to shoot and then some special effects. I anticipate having that all done by the end of the year, but even if it goes into January, so what? It still works fine. I just would love to release Mike Cook and Jim Norgaard and Tyler Haynes from their obligations before the new year, but if it doesn't work out that way, it doesn't work out that way. And that is fine. It really is. Everything's crazy here. Making a movie? There's a new grandkid? I've been being the annoying grandpa where I'm like, hey, you want to see pictures? You want to see pictures? Look at this cute thing. Look at her. Because she's adorable. And on top of that, we're keeping busy, but everything feels insane right now. Everyone's tired. Everyone's dealing with life and everything and the holidays coming and it's been nuts. I do have some bad news, however. You remember last month where I was talking about how we'll have the... Mimiverse Mystery Boxes this year? We will not have Mimiverse Mystery Boxes this year. With everything going on, and all the insanity, we just will not be able to get them together. I guess I never realized how behind the 8-ball I was. Usually before, say, December 1st, which I'm already behind the 8-ball on this recording because it's December 1st right now. Before December 1st, I always have everything together and ready to go, And Steph usually makes cool little exclusive pocket Steve stuffed animals. And we have none of that this year. It just feels like everything has accelerated and been so insane. And it has. I mean, it just has. And so we won't be able to do them this year, which is a shame. But there's not much we can do. I don't have a lot of help. I don't have money to pay people. Sometimes things fall by the wayside, and that was the thing that had to fall by the wayside, and that's okay. I know if you're one of those people who gets them every year, you're probably pretty disappointed, but that's not to say that once things calm down a little past the holidays, I won't do one in time for Monster Day. Perhaps it should be more of a Monster Day thing instead. You know, every time we hit the holiday season, things are insane. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I have a lot of kids, and now I have a grandchild, too. I mean, there are only so many shopping days until Christmas. And I'm still making a movie, and it's just, it's crazy. And I always have to get the calendar together, and another thing, I have to do the Mimiverse holiday card, which they are at the printer. Just waiting to get them back. Should be early next week. If you don't know what the Mimiverse holiday card is... I think you can probably figure it out. But if you just don't know, every year for the last seven or eight years now, I do a free Mimiverse Christmas card, basically. It's it's a card I send out to anyone who wants one who signs up for it. And here's the thing. I don't send it out to just people I know or people who I know are big fans. You have to request one every year. There's no permanent list. To do so, go to sainteuforia.com and it'll come up, fill out the form, and you'll get a holiday card. The sign-up form is also available in the December 2022 Mimiverse Monthly newsletter, but it's limited to a certain number of people, and once I reach that limit, I shut it off, and you don't get one if you don't sign up. I opened it up a few days ago, and half of them are already gone, and we add 5 to 10 new people every day. Once I reach the limit, there are no more. I don't get them reprinted. That's it. That's all there is. So if you want to get one, sign up. It costs you nothing. And I'm not collecting email addresses. I'm not collecting your home addresses. After the holiday cards go out, I delete my holiday card list. I don't keep any of it at all. So if you're one of those people who's kind of paranoid about that kind of thing, don't worry. I don't keep them. I don't sell them. I literally delete them out of the database. I don't keep them anywhere. So if you want to get one, get one. Everyone is open to getting one. Anyone and everyone. Feel free. No matter who you are. Heck, you could sign up your grandmother who's lonely in Florida and needs Christmas cards. Sign her up if you really want to. She'll be really confused when she gets it because she won't get the joke that I put on it this year. But that's fine. Maybe she'll think it's fun. I don't know. Maybe she loves monster movies. Maybe she'll be like, what in the hell is this? And get really paranoid. Wondering why she got it. Or maybe she'll get it and be like, this is hilarious. And check out the website. And be like, oh my god, this guy makes movies. I love these cheesy old movies. And she'll buy a bunch of them. I don't know. You will be a better judge of that than I will. Just sign up. So that's one of the things I'm always doing this time of year. I got the family. I got the kids. I got the movies I'm making. I got the holiday card. I got the calendar of which calendars are now available. They've been printed. They will be going out next week. And I don't have many left. Watch your mailboxes, pre-orders. If you haven't ordered, order now, because again, once those are gone, they are gone. I don't order more. It's a limited number. I limit it every year and I run out and inevitably there's at least two or three people who are like, can I still get one of those calendars? No, you can't. They are limited and they're numbered. So get on it. They're really cool. I'm using a new printing company, and I think they're higher quality than they were in the past. I sadly had to part ways with the old printing company, mostly because it came under new management, and for the last few print jobs I've done with them, they've been overcharging me. At first, I thought, nah, this is just me. Maybe it's just inflation or whatever. But then I realized, no, they are flat out overcharging me. And so I asked them for a quote for the calendars this year, and they came in $250 higher than they did last year. And I'm like, okay, a little markup, given the state of how much things are costing these days is fine, but $250 higher for the same number I did last year? That seems excessive. And so I found another print shop, and they gave me a quote that was much more in line with what I've been paying over the years. So I had to leave because this was the third print job I was going to do with them. And I started getting a little suspicious that they were overcharging me a bit. And this sealed the deal. I won't say who they are because I don't want to be mean to them. And I don't know what their financial situation is. Maybe they need the money to stay open. I don't know. The thing is, is I couldn't afford it. It was like the calendars weren't even worthwhile at that point. I'd have to sell them all to be able to pay for them all. So I'd be breaking even for as much as I'd like to be all noble and do this for the art of it. There are bills to pay. And the only way that happens is occasionally I have to turn a profit to make something worthwhile. Plus, if I'm just breaking even, that just covers the manufacturing. I mean, my time goes into these things. It takes a long time to design these calendars. Plus, there's the shipping and just all the stuff that goes into it. And if I just break even on the manufacturing, it just doesn't work. Supply and demand. Economics. (laughs) Point is... I had to go with a new company and I'm glad I did because the quality seems just higher. And that's the thing. This place seems like they got their crap together. They got quality people doing quality work at an affordable price. But again, I'm not going to tell you who they are simply because they've only done these like two print jobs for me. And I want to make sure they maintain that quality when I need posters and stuff. So we shall see. That said, I have been thinking of another print job I'd like them to do. You might be excited to hear this. And if you are, you need to let me know because I need to gauge some interest on whether or not I should totally do this again. But I've been thinking that maybe it's time to do another set of Mimiverse trading cards. We've done two sets of Mimiverse trading cards. The first was the monsters of the Mimiverse. The second was the art of the Mimiverse. I have an idea for a third set of cards, and this would be a good test of this company to see how much they want to charge me for these. But I need to know that people want to buy them. I mean, in the past, they always sell out pretty quickly, so that seems like it'd be a pretty good indicator. But times are different. Everything's more expensive you know, and I just, I need to know if you'd be interested in owning a set of them. And I'm even considering maybe, maybe it'd be cool to re-release all of the sets as one mega set. You know, just do a couple mega sets where you get sets one, two, and three. And maybe I'd even do another rare one if you bought a mega set. See, here's the thing. We used to do the trading cards and I started doing these things where you get rare cards if you showed up to certain events like premieres and so maybe i do a mega set where you buy all three sets and you get like a couple special rare cards that come with it maybe what do you think yes no maybe anyway that's just an idea but again if you want to see those you have to let me know that you want to see them and then i can look into it see if i can make it happen anyway so the mimiverse is insane right now i am doing my best to keep everything together and keep everyone's heads above water and get this movie done, annihilate all humans, make sure you contribute. The next episode of An Oral History of the Mimiverse is coming up soon. And I apologize if this seems rushed or short, but that's just how crazy things are right now. But I just wanted to let you know what's going on and keep you up to date, that's why you listen, and encourage you in time for the holidays to order your calendars if you haven't yet to sign up for the holiday card list, to contribute to the new movie if you want to give it as a gift and get that letter. Now's the time. And apologize profusely for not having the mystery box. But now that I'm just sort of talking about it, and honestly, I'm spitballing here. This is the first I've even considered this. Maybe it would be a better thing to bring out around Monster Day, around March 9th the date when The Monster Phantom Lake was released. Maybe a mystery box would be cooler around that time of year so that it lessens my burden on all the things I always do at the end of the year and then I end up doing this where I can't even get an Atomic Tales together because everything is crazy. Maybe just knowing that there's one less thing, it sort of spreads out the Mimiverse cheer throughout the year. If you'd like to see that, maybe send me a message and let me know that. Also, maybe we do more trading cards. I think that might be cool. Maybe I do some more lobby cards. I don't know. I have some ideas. I have ideas. But I need to know that people are interested in those ideas. So drop me a line and let me know. For now, though, I think it's time we move into the further adventures of what happened around the time I was making The Giant Spider with this month's edition of An Oral History of the Mimiverse. (laughs) Mimiverse. In last month's episode of An Oral History of the Mimiverse, I continued to talk about the making of The Giant Spider, told a few more stories, even inserted one that I thought I'd forgotten about, but wanted to make sure once I remembered it to put it in there. And I think when you listen to it, you could kind of tell because the recording quality was different, partially because of where I was recording it. But this month, I'm going to talk a little bit about finishing the movie, releasing the movie, and then the reception from it. Now, I talked previously about how the monster Phantom Lake did so well that I felt like I was always chasing that. And honestly, to some degree, I'm still chasing it because I still meet plenty of people who are like, the monster Phantom Lake is the best. I think when it came to the giant spider, I finally found something that was as good as, if not better than the monster Phantom Lake. We finished shooting it. We had lots of great fun adventures, and I'm sure there's stuff I'm forgetting, but once I started putting everything together, editing it, and started watching chunks of it, I started to realize that I had something kind of special on my hands. Everything about that movie came together, from the cast, to the crew, to the locations, to the spider itself, to everything, all the special effects, everything worked out perfectly. The first time I watched it as a finished film, once I finished editing it and did my, okay, here it is, this is what it is, and I'm stuck with it moment, because I do that with every movie. I write it, we do the pre-production, we film it, and I edit it, and then I watch it for the first time, always alone, just to get an idea of how it plays. And usually... I'll watch it and I'll have a bunch of notes and I'll go back and make some changes. But ultimately that first full watch through, my initial reaction gives me a real idea of how good or how bad it is. I always go back and make changes. There's usually little tweaks that have to be done. Sometimes the sound is wrong here or I want to maybe cut out a few minutes there, you know, that kind of a thing. The general overall look and feel of the movie is what it is at that moment there's no going back even with reshoots it's just it's going to be what it is unless i want to reshoot the whole thing right i've spent so much time and effort putting it together this is what the movie is and i may clean it up or fix it up a little bit or try to brighten it up a little bit or make it sound better or worse or whatever it is but that is how the movie is going to be that is the overall mood and look and feel of that film the first time i watched The Giant Spider. I was kind of like, this is the best damn thing I've ever done. And I still kind of feel like it's up there. It's definitely still my most popular. And I still think it's some of my best work to date. There are things now, after seeing it as many times as I have, that I might have tightened up a little bit. I think some of the beginnings of the whole discussion that Dan and Shannon have in the malt shop, I would probably tighten that up a lot but it's still fine and the movie's not that long so It's almost like you need that padding, (laughs) but it's really the only padding that's in there is I feel like that conversation maybe goes on a little too long. Some of the stuff I might just tweak a little. And some of the things I had in there simply because I wanted them to reference things that were going on at the time with me and just in the Mimiverse in general. The whole thing with Commander Lambent was this thing we did on the Mimiverse Bonfire podcast where I started writing this radio show that we would do and record that i would edit and then send to mark and ruby but there was always this little thing i'd write before we'd record the podcast for the guests that day and we would just kind of dry read it and then i'd put some sound effects into it and we'd put it in as a little something extra for the bonfire podcast episodes we were doing a bunch of them at the time and so i thought hey this would be something fun to make canon basically by adding Commander Lambet officially to the Mimiverse as a radio show that young Danny Johnson liked to listen to. That little opening sequence maybe could be a little bit shorter. I could have probably tightened that up a touch. But I think it's fine for what it is. It's a nice build-up to ultimately seeing the spider and then the amazing theme song. And I guess I should quick talk about that theme song since I'm really talking now about the editing process and the post-editing process. I met this guy named Dan Flanagan, who is a really nice guy, and he contacted me, and I don't honestly remember how or why he found me I know he found me and contacted me about potentially doing some music for my films. He's the owner of this indie DIY record label. Very underground, very indie, very keeping with the spirit of St. Euphoria Pictures, of doing it all yourself outside the system. It's called Acoustic Fury Records, and, and his band was on it, and some other bands were on it. And he suggested this idea of doing a contest with the bands on his label that were interested in submitting a song that could potentially be the theme song i was all for it i was like yeah let's do it i mean that sounds awesome because i liked the idea of doing a full-on old school theme song kind of like the blob has a theme song you know i just i wanted to do something like that and so he took it to his bands and they all came back and i think there were eight entries and two of them were by this band called the night hobs they actually did two and i ended up using both because i listened to all of them and they were all good but the giant spider theme that the night hobs had submitted just blew me away i was like this is catchy the mood was right and just everything about it i decided that would be the theme song they did this other song called the spider smash And I liked that one, too, because it has this cool surf guitar thing. And I was just like, God, I want to use this. And so I asked, I was like, can I use both? (laughs) So the Night Hobs won the contest. Also, I used both their entries, which I think works out in the end because both songs were just so good. Honestly, the Giant Spider theme is, I know the Night Hobs still get requests for it. I know people still want to hear it. I get asked all the time where they can find it. So, I mean, it's catchy. It's an earworm. It's really well done. And that's why I asked them to do other songs for me because they're awesome. And then too, Dan Flanagan's band, and actually I should say bands because he's been on a few since I first met him. The guy who runs Acoustic Fury Records has done a few songs for my movies as well. But the Night Hobs did the Giant Spider theme. They also did the Family of Kids theme. But Dan Flanagan's band, the Day the Earth Abruptly Almost Ended theme and the end theme for the Late Night Double feature and just my association with Dan Flanagan has been nothing but positive and really, really cool. I mean, he's been able to provide some really cool original music through either his bands or his association with other bands that has been a huge plus to the Mimiverse as a whole. And I think the Giant Spider theme is the perfect example of it. So that was really cool that that came together. And again, it was just another example of how the giant spider just came together so perfectly. Watching it for that first time through and you get to the credits and it's just like this, this rocks, this works. And I watched it through and I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I'd made something as good as it is. I don't always like tooting my own horn like that so much, just because I tend to be a little overly critical. And even, I mean, you even heard it right there. I'm like, well, there's some small things I'd change. I don't think I've ever made a perfect movie. I think I've made some pretty damn good ones. And this one is definitely up there as one of the best, if not the best thing I've ever made. But again, that depends on your perspective. I've met people who are like, it came from another world is the best thing you've ever done. I wholeheartedly disagree, but... You can't fight with people's perceptions of things. You can't fight with people's tastes and things or why they like things or why it matters to them or why it appeals to them. I just have to be grateful that anything I've ever done appeals to anybody. I'm just so thankful for having fans and for people who like what I do and who have continued to make it possible for me to do this. Anyway, The Giant Spider, I knew upon first watch-through that this was going to be something special. There was just an energy throughout the entirety of it. There was just something cool about the making of it, about the quality of what we were ending up with, and just all these little things. When you add them all together, everything about the giant spider was kind of perfect. I just said the movie's not perfect, and I admit the movie's not perfect. No movie is perfect, but I wouldn't have changed a thing. Just nothing about it would I've changed because it was just so cool. And you know, I should mention, Billy Joe Cones, who ended up playing Dr. Hackett, whose character is technically the mother of Shannon's character from Attack of the Moon Zombies. Billy Joe Cones was one of the people who auditioned for Julianne St. Marie back when we did It Came From Another World and Shannon McDonough got it. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'll mention it again just in case. When we did that audition, there were a handful of people that auditioned for that role, didn't get that role, but I kept sort of in my back pocket as people I want to work with eventually because they're talented and they had the right look and they seemed cool and they were nice. Their auditions went really well and I knew if I continued to make movies, I would find places for them. And Billy Joe was the last of that group of people who finally I got her into a movie because it was like Brooke Lemke, who's in Cave Women, Emily Fradenberg, who ended up in Cave Women. It was Catherine Hansen, who ended up in Destination Outer Space and, and House of Ghosts and the late night double feature. And Billy Joe Cones was perfect for the role. And it was really nice to be able to work with her. And she fit in really nicely with everybody. And and I think everyone had a good time. I don't think anyone had a a negative time in making that film. I just feel like everybody involved was really having a great time. And it's weird because I feel like, to a certain extent, the giant spider was kind of like the height of it. It feels like the highest I ever got. I'm not saying everything has been like a steady decline or anything, but I just feel like nothing I've done before or after that has reached the heights of the giant spider. And it just is what it is. I mean... It's like if you have a band that's considered a one-hit wonder but has put out a dozen albums, and the most they ever got recognized for was that one song that ended up on the radio and became ubiquitous and was always playing. And I'm sure at every show they still play. If they're still out there making music, they're like, we're going to close the show with that because that's why everyone's here. They want to hear that song live. That's kind of what the giant spider ended up feeling like to me. I definitely felt like I had finally surpassed The Monster of Phantom Lake. And I knew after seeing it that first time, I was like, this is the one. This is the one that supplants The Monster of Phantom Lake. Now, it's a pretty high bar that I'd have to get over to surpass The Giant Spider. But I'm not really trying anymore. I feel like I did it. I had this goal and I reached it. And I made something pretty sweet in the process. That movie has played more places than I think anything now. It's played all over the place. It's been on Australian TV. It's been on different TV stations. It's played at drive ins. It's played at movie theaters. It's played at film festivals. It's the movie I play the most, especially if I go to a new place and I'm trying to introduce the Mimiverse to people, or if people are like, I want to buy one of your movies, but I don't know where to start because there's so many. Where do I start? I always just say the giant spider. I mean, it's reflex at this point. In fact, all the people who help me when I do events, people like Jackie Baker, who many of you might have met down in Texas, or Michael Kaiser, or anyone who's ever helping me at events. If people ask, if I got one, which would I get? The giant spider. Inevitably. Because that's the one. That's the one that hooks people. You start with the best and then work your way down. And maybe some people see other ones and like, no, no, no. Giant Spider's good, but my favorite is Guns of the Apocalypse. I've had a couple people say that, and I think that says a lot about the type of moviegoer you are. Because when I get to Guns of the Apocalypse, I'll talk a lot about my thought processes and making that particular movie and what I was going for. But I'm not there yet, because this is the evolution of the Mimiverse from this so-bad-it's-good movie, The Monster Family, that I just really wanted to make a movie, to what I feel like The Giant Spider was like. This is me showing that I do know how to make a movie and here's something kind of cool. Here's something awesome. Here's something entertaining and fun. And it's meant to be played light, right? It's funny when you make these B-movie type movies, these retro B-movies, that half the audience is mad because they like the old movies that I'm emulating and they get pissed off if they feel like my films are too spoofy because it feels like you're making fun of those old movies. And I don't do that. I really, really strive not to do that. I love those old movies and I just want to make more in that style. Here's the thing. Sometimes I go lighter. The Giant Spider is much lighter, and I go that way because sometimes I just want to make people laugh or just have a good time and goof around a little bit because not everything has to be serious all the time and some of those old movies are just adventure yarns they're just fun you know they're just ridiculous horror movies and sometimes there's some humor so half the people are like ah you know they got to be serious and you have to take it seriously and then the other half are like these movies should be funny and those people tend to come to those movies through something like mystery science theater 3000 or even Elvira or something like that where they poke fun at how cheesy those old movies are because you cannot divorce yourself from the fact that it's the 21st century and we're looking back on movies made 60, 70 years ago when just times were different, technology was different, special effects, a lot of them were in their infancy. I mean, just things that they tried to do back then that they really didn't even know how to. They were making it up as they go along. People like Bird Eye Gordon, who was just making up special effects techniques as he went along. Looking back on it, I mean that's it's, it's kind of silly. I mean there's a lot of those movies that are silly. The science is all wrong, totally made up bull crap that is purely speculative and incredibly wrong. And it's sometimes they're worthy of just sort of giving them a little crap and that's okay you can make fun of those things and still love them as long as you're not doing it from a mean perspective of like ha look how terrible those are those people were idiots they sucked they were so untalented and the truth is they're not they were talented people making these movies sure ed wood wasn't the most talented filmmaker but the man had heart he was trying to make something good and just failed spectacularly and that's okay that should be a shirt you know (laughs) Sometimes it's okay to fail spectacularly. That's the mood of the giant spiders, that it's poking fun at all of the giant bug movies out there. But a lot of those giant bug movies are great. You know, Them is one of my favorite movies from that era, and that's about the giant ants. There's actually a reference in the giant spider to Them. There's a couple, and one of them was suggested by Mitch Gonzalez. Them, the giant ant movie was, as far as I understand, it was originally supposed to be shot in color and ended up not being shot in color. They ended up doing the opening title in blue and red where it says them. And I thought, you know what? I have never done anything color in any of my movies up to this point. Mitch suggested you should do the giant spider in blue and red as a tip of the hat to them. And I was like, man, you are brilliant. That's a great idea. And I will steal it because you gave it to me. So technically I'm taking it as a gift because you gave it to me. The man is full of great ideas. I'll just say that. I used it and it was just a nice tip of the hat to them. Also, when the spider comes, it makes a noise similar to the sound that the ants make in them. I ended up creating that whistly noise to emulate it. It's not the exact same noise. I created my own, but I wanted it to be reminiscent of the ants in them because they make this sort of like trilling whistle noise. And I made something that was similar. That is, when the spider comes, you can hear it to let you know the spider's coming or it's there. And that right there is another tip of the hat. You know, I knew when I finished that movie, it was going to play well. Once it was done and I was ready and I showed it to Michael Kaiser and Elliot and, and my wife and they were just like, man, this is, this is really good. I decided, hey, we're going to do a premiere. We're going to do it in May of 2013, May 22nd, which is Michael Kaiser's birthday. Now, when he turned 21, Michael went out with his cousins and drank for the first time and got very sick afterwards. And I told Michael that I had landed the date for the Giant Spider premiere and it was on his birthday. So I told him, I was like, look, you can't go out and drink the night before too much because he wanted to go out for his birthday the night before with his cousins to celebrate. And I said, look, obviously it's fine if you go out, but just maybe think about how much you're drinking because you don't want to miss the premiere. Because up to that point, you know, he'd never missed one. And he's like, yeah, no, don't worry. I'm not, I'm just going to go and maybe have a few beers or something. I'll be fine. He missed that premiere because he was too damn sick, because he went out drinking the night before. So we held a premiere on his birthday, and he missed it because he was too sick. (laughs) So, that sucked. But I should say about the premiere, when I finally set a date of the 22nd of May, 2013, I made advance tickets available online. And this was back before the Heights redesigned the auditorium to have fewer but bigger seats. It used to be the older, smaller seats that were more common in the 80s and 90s. It sat like 420 or something like that. And I put the tickets on sale and it took 17 days for it to sell out completely. That was the record and still is the record of, of sellouts. And we had sold out Attack of the Moon Zombies and House of Ghosts. Attack of the Moon Zombies was the actual first time we sold out the premiere before the premiere, like we pre-sold out the event. We sold out House of Ghosts, but both of those, Moon Zombies and House of Ghosts, they sold out near the day of the premiere. This went on sale, I don't know, two months in advance and within 17 days sold out completely. And that is still the record nothing i've ever done has ever sold out that quickly i could definitely tell after i released that trailer and it got such a great response and it started getting shared everywhere and i was just like this is gonna be big and then we sold it out in 17 days and i was like man this is gonna be so good and we sold it out so quickly that i ended up doing a overflow screening at a smaller theater called the Trilon in minneapolis like the next day and that sold out too but that only had like 50 seats It's a tiny little screening room, basically, that shows cool art house and classics and stuff, but it's very small. But I sold that out as well. And I was like, man, this is going to do so well. And just leading up to it, everything just felt like it was really waiting to just explode in the best way. And we held that premiere and Michael wasn't there because he was sick. Well, hungover, but sick to his stomach. It just went off without a hitch. Everything about it was amazing. After the event, we used to go to Applebee's down the road just because it became a tradition. We haven't done it since 2019, but it became a tradition to go to Applebee's because it was open and just down the road. And we did it after Monster Phantom Lake just because it was like, God, I feel so great. I hadn't eaten because I was so nervous when we did Monster. And I was like, Josh, let's go get food. And Applebee's happened to be open and it became kind of a thing. It became a tradition. And we went to Giant Spider and we walked in and people were like cheering and clapping as we walked in the door because all these people had joined us and we got like a round of applause i mean just everything about it was like really the height of everything and of course at the time i didn't know that that was as good as it was going to get at least up to that point maybe it'll get that good again i don't know but it just it was it was a triumph and it just felt so good to do something and release a movie that i finally felt like i finally beat the monster of phantom lake i was competing with myself and i finally won after all these years of trying i finally did it It was a magical evening, and as soon as it was released and it started getting picked up at film festivals, it started winning some awards. One of my favorite awards I've ever won, which was the Forrest J. Ackerman Film Award from the Famous Monsters of Filmland. So, Forrest J. Ackerman was this guy who was basically the first true super fan. He had the Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, and all these filmmakers knew him as sort of this super fan who really helped sell these films and these creatures and these monster movies to kids through his magazine, Famous Monsters of Filmland. And he had passed away, but a new company had bought the magazine and rebooted it, and they did this film festival, and they accepted the giant spider, and it won the Forrest J. Ackerman Award which to me felt like a real accomplishment because to associate my classic monster movie with the name Forrest J. Ackerman was a big freaking deal. It played at this cool Godzilla festival. I mean, it was just like it just took off and was playing everywhere. And I had so many screenings and so many events and so many conventions. It was a whirlwind And it was so much fun and it got so much positive attention. It hasn't gotten 100% positive attention, but most of the negative attention it got tended to be from folks who are the worst reviewers. And it's because they're people who approach reviews of things, not by reviewing what a thing is. They don't approach a film and say, well, this is what happens and this is what I think about how it happens, and what happened. They go into it going, I watched this movie. If I were going to make this movie, this is what I would do. And since they didn't, I didn't like it. Like, everything is filtered through the lens of their wants and hopes. And, like, they watch a trailer for something and they're like, I hope it's this. And then they're let down that it's not. Instead of just saying, I hope it's good, and then watching it for what it is and reviewing it as what it ended up being, not what they wished it would have been. One guy reviewed it saying that, I really wish someone would make one of these retro homage films, but do it 100% serious, actually try to make it scary. But instead, the giant spider is just kind of jokey. And it's like, well, you know what, dude? <laughs> I don't know that it's possible to make a true movie in that style of those old movies and actually make it truly scary simply because there are limitations on what you can do before it stops being authentic, right? And I want to go for more authenticity than not. And there were things back then they just couldn't get away with. You couldn't show something that would really be too gruesome or too violent or too sexual or use certain language or too bloody or whatever. You couldn't do those things. You were hamstrung by the rules of the time. And so if you're going to make a true homage movie, you really can't make it so scary because we've evolved beyond that. We're so used to that. These things have become tropes. You see scarier things in commercials nowadays than you would ever see in a movie back in the 50s or 60s. The Michael Jackson thriller video is 10 times scarier than most things that were ever released in the 50s or 60s because, again or early 60s, I should say, because there were rules. There were things you could do. There's things you couldn't do. And if you're going to make something that's a true homage to that era, you have to follow those rules to a certain extent. And if you play too far outside those rules, it stops being an homage and it just starts being a modern film in black and white. You know what I mean? And so I get what the guy's saying. It would be cool to see a actually scary giant spider movie because I feel like most giant spider movies weirdly tend to be kind of funny at least modern ones i don't know why someone hasn't really truly tried to make a a really scary spider movie given that so many people are scared of spiders but a giant spider i think ceases to be i don't know there's something about it when you make something really big that maybe it stops being as scary because it becomes too far outside the realm of reality And I sometimes think that the scariest movies are the ones that are possible. I mean, a giant spider would be frightening if you saw one in real life, but you know you're never going to. So there's a degree of disassociation with it that it stops being truly scary, at least if you're older than eight years old. I think, to me, the movies that do the best at being truly scary are the ones that have a certain sense of reality to them at least to me the things that get under my skin the most are films that touch on something that could actually happen because then you start thinking about it and you realize that's possible that could happen to me i'm really not worried about ever being eaten by a giant spider now being bitten by some sort of venomous spider sure I mean, that's scarier than just like a spider the size of two, maybe three barns, right? Anyway, the giant spider came out. It was incredibly well-received. It started receiving lots of positive press and doing all these events and screenings, and it just, it blew up, and it, it was everything I could have wanted it to be. And then, of course, it came the time, well, what do I do next? But that we will discuss next month on An Oral History of the Mimiverse. Thank you so much for listening this month. I apologize again for not getting an Atomic Tales together soon enough, but it's been nuts. I'm a grandpa now. So, yeah, I'm just going to keep making movies. I imagine Atomic Tales will be back next month. I will shoot to make sure it happens. I apologize again for no mystery boxes for the Christmas season, but I think I'm going to try and get one together in time for Monster Day. Don't forget to contribute to Annihilate All Humans. And I mean the movie, not to The Annihilation of Humanity. Get your calendar while you still can, sign up for the holiday card list, and let me know if you'd like to see more collector's card sets made. I really need your input before I get into that, because that takes quite a bit of work. And if you guys want to see it, I'd love to put in the work. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you and your family and your loved ones and your friends and everyone around you has a happy, healthy holiday season. I appreciate you. I love that you're still out there listening. I hope in the coming year we meet again for more cheesy monster goodness. In the meantime, as I always say, be good. But if you can't do that, be good at it. I'll talk to you again next month. Happy holidays, everyone.